Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Welcome to the EFTM Formula 1 podcast. Great to have your company joined uh, by Connor McNally, Harry Tucker, each and every week. My name's Trevor Long, and we uh, we watch the race, and then we muse about the race. Connor, we have to kick off by asking, is this a um, full race replay on KO, or is this a KO Mini for you, mate? It is a KO Mini, first and foremost. Uh, Harry? Yeah, definitely a Mini for this one. Yeah, grab the KO Mini, and if you haven't got KO, jump on to kosports.com.au, sign up, and uh, you will enjoy all the racing action live and ad break free. There's plenty of Formula One every single session, plus massive MotoGP weekend. There's always some great motorsport on KO. Of course, there's all the other sport as well. If you're into other sports, they've got you covered. Now, boys, uh, this was the um, Emilia Romagna uh, because apparently San Marino's uh, not a you know not a thing you say anymore. So this is the Imola Grand Prix. Um, very early in the season to be back in Europe and uh, enjoying the Tafosi all in red turning out for Ferrari, which didn't go well for them in the end because we had a Max Verstappen win from Sergio Perez and Lando Norris. What a podium um, that is to be talking about so early in the season. But let's go back to the start. Um, and this was, this was a pretty good start, Harry, for Max, given the sprint race a day earlier. The start was his Achilles heel. Oh, I mean, yeah, and he came flying out. I was unexpecting it to the point where he was not my pick for leading after the first lap going into it. Yeah. But he, he came out great. And it was sort of like the actually the first kind of four did. So That's but then right. after it, was, that, it was a really consistent. I think yeah. um I think was it Carlos had the worst start. Well him um, and Daniel. He did. Well, Carlos off the line had a shocker. Now Carlos obviously did well in the sprint to make up lost ground um, through, through a poor qualifying. So did well uh, to get to that position in the sprint, but really bogged it down on the start line, uh, Connor, and you kind of saw mm. the McLaren fly past him and I think um, a couple others as well. It just was it was a shocking start for Carlos, which resulted in him and Daniel colliding on turn one. And I don't think it was deliberate whatsoever from Daniel's perspective. It was just a pure racing incident, but it was just yeah. that, that first corner, Tamborello. You basically two into one to go. Let's face it, Carlos was in front, but I think uh, Daniel just got a little bit loose and didn't mean to touch him, but it happened. And unfortunately for the second race in a row. Oh, the weather. Yeah. And of course, slippery conditions. And basically second race in a row, he has failed to finish. And that would knock his confidence big time because he's just come off the back of signing a two-year extension at Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. Carlos gets a Ferrari contract extension and then off the back of a pretty poor weekend in Australia and then has this weekend. It's not it's not a great feeling, but I don't think it really matters for the team. I think you can, you can no, kind of get bogged down on these things. But it's interesting reading Daniel's comments after the race. You know, he's very upfront about it. Um, he says, at turn one, I thought I got hit, but it was actually me getting on the curb. Uh, then I slipped <laughs> um, and went into Carlos uh, before being bumped by Bottas. He got he got quite a bump from Bottas from behind, which in the in the original camera angle, boys, it looked like Daniel was like right underneath Carlos or something, but it was actually Bottas underneath Daniel, which lifted his car and made it look a lot more dramatic. Daniel yeah. was able to drive through the kitty litter, but I think, Connor, given that Daniel never recovered from that in any way, shape, or form in terms of pace, he had no pace on a on a Hass near the end of the race. 
Um, he clearly had damage. He, he said they said they had a bit of damage and they struggled for the rest of the race. Pretty disappointing race for Daniel in that sense that he wasn't able to show anything after the incident, essentially. Yeah, I would say so. And I, and I think also he had to be the test mule. Like for yeah. it, whatever was going to happen for the future of the race, he was just going to be that mule that everyone was going to follow. You know, if, if Daniel blink first, then everyone else was going to blink after him. And, uh, and he did. And that yeah. essentially happened. We'll get to that when we when we unpack the details. Uh, even Andre Seidel said uh, he was able to provide useful information to the team to maximise our results, yes. which you know that's a critical thing for um, for McLaren with another driver up the uh, mm. up the pointy end. So you've got uh, Dan actually pitted for new Inters, so he must have had uh, damage to the tyres as well. Um, it was a pretty it was a pretty clean race from there. Alonso um, was passed by Lewis Harry, and it was an Epic little bit of uh, side pod failure uh, on the uh, yeah. on the Alpine. That whole thing, it was just ripped. Like that whole, it was a good mm. 20 seconds there in the coverage. And they're sort of like, is there damage? Is there damage? The camera finally gets it. And half his bloody car is missing on the side. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he's coming into the pits. Obviously, the driver, he, he probably couldn't see it in his mirrors. And he's asking the pit crew, is it repairable? And the car is <laughs> what? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> 30 to 40% of your car's bodywork <laughs> has been lost and uh, 50% well, of the side pod, uh, 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 Fernando. Yeah. But, that, but that, was, was, that, was caused by, that was caused by Mick Schumacher um, basically in spinning into corner. him. Yeah. Can, we, can we talk about for a second, when are we going to, and this is, I know it's interrupting the flow, but when are we going to stop making excuses for Mick Schumacher? It's a good point. I mean, the thing is, you've got to look at, him now in a car that matters uh, against a driver that knows his stuff. You know, yeah. he's not against Mazaspin anymore. Um, he's had some good qualifying. He's done okay here and there, but he's come off the track too many times. You know what I mean? It's that kind of stuff that yeah. makes a champion. You, you can't be doing those. You can't be having those mistakes. And I think you're right, Harry. It is. No. Especially when he's been so outpaced by Kevin, like just mm. on every single, every single weekend. Mm. It's the sad thing about the family yeah. legacy stuff. And I know Bruno Senna wasn't, a, you know, he was a, what was he, a nephew or something, but it's just the family name being kind of brought down by by the <laughs> by the next generation. It's like, well, mate, you- The Schumacher yeah. family is used to it from Ralph, aren't they? That's true. That's Ooh. true. <laughs> 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 um, and David, for that I matter. Don't, I don't think Mick's going to get to Ralph's levels, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't think so either. But it, it, just, it just seems like- Mick is just not living. I mean, okay, it's his second season, and yes, he's yeah. The car is much improved from last year, but you, you'd think after one season he would know, yeah, the ins and outs of the car. And let's face mm. it, having Magnussen back at Haas is going to give him that that added uh, motivation to go one better. But yeah, he, yeah, he's struggling a little bit, and I'm just wondering, has he got the has he got the clout to make it into Formula One to be that world champion? If you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's even. Not, I don't. I don't think he's world championship material. Unfortunately, we would have. I think we would have seen that by now. Um, and it feels it feels early to write him off. But um, you know, the season is long, and there's a lot to go. But I don't know. I think I think you're right to make that observation, Harry. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's been it's a tough few like races. Yeah, it's not even like he. It's you know he needs to be out. It's just I feel like it's just something that people haven't talked about. It's just you know we're very quick mm. to call out. Uh, disappointing performances from literally every everyone else on the grid, but for some reason he's yeah, no, he's I not agree. Been touched. I agree. 
He's not untouchable here on the FGM Formula One podcast. Okay, that's, <laughs> you, yeah. Watch that, everyone on the grid. Let's let's make that clear, right? <laughs> so you people, you be ready. Um, I, I will have a lot of comments about Sky Sports and even Ted Kravitz later because oh. I find it fascinating the way they oh. talk about things and they look at things. But anyway, um, you mentioned the inclement weather. It was um, it was very wet for the drivers' parade uh, an hour or so before yes. the grid. Um, it was then dry in terms of the sky but the track was wet rooster tail wet that that first you know um uh, run down to the tamborello chicane was epic because it was just so much water in the air from the rooster tails but it wasn't like the track was dripping wet it just you know needed a needed a few laps of inches to start drying itself out but it was fascinating wasn't it you had this we're on lap nine it looked to me (laughs) i'm not in the car looked to me like a slick track you know there was a very clear dry line but i think the reason your normal um, you know, runners who would jump on early, like Seb Vettelins, people like that, didn't go was because their teams kept telling them there's going to be rain. There's mm. going to be rain. They said there's going to be rain in about 10 laps. Da 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 da. Um, you know, George Russell's in up attacking Magnussen for fifth. Rain's expected lap 20. Will the tyres last that long? It was this really weird situation where everyone was saying, Connor, there was going to be rain and there wasn't a drop of it for the whole race. No, absolutely not. Uh, I don't know where they were getting their, their forecast from, but obviously it had the, the radars and everything, but the rain clouds did not even come close. It was just a lot of dark clouds around, basically no rain. And yeah, we were all excited for a wet race, maybe not of Belgian proportions like last year, but yeah, it just it just didn't live up to that hype really. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think they were all just holding out for either a safety car or for wets. We were all expecting yeah. chaos and it just didn't really it deliver. The a fascinating thing, Harry, for me at this point of the race, again, which didn't get a lot of attention, but it was covered, um, was George Russell, as I mentioned, attacking Magnuson for fifth. Um, this is, you know, uh, early in the race, you know, maybe a lap 13, 14, and, uh, or, sorry, 9 or 10. And it wasn't until lap 13 that he got past him. But the critical point I make here is that George Russell did get past. Um, he did get past Magnussen because his teammate later in the race struggles to make any pass. Um, you know, George was George was doing really well, but then then Harry, you had Bottas coming to the mix, and it was like, oh, well, hang on a minute, yes. <laughs> this is a concern. Yeah, well, when when Bottas came in, did he come in twice? Well, because it was at the end as well. There was like that he was right up there behind them. He must have been I because, like my, because my, I'm talking, have, my, yeah. note, my note showed uh, George passed Magnussen and then Bottas. Um, sends it into into the second last ah, turn. Ah, yes. And so there's this, there was this. Oh my God! There's actually passing in another point of the yes. track as well. I'm like memo to everyone: you can pass in other places. Yes. Um, yes. But the the idea of George and Bottas being close together, they must have stayed together essentially the whole race, maybe with some stretching of of the of the gap at times. But you know, Bottas and Russell together is a worrying thought around Imola. Oh, and then <laughs> yeah, given yeah. last year. And then the multiple, the, yeah, the couple of battles, like you say at the end there as well, both of them there. I think I think Crofty or someone even made a little sly comment when they saw Valtteri come in the back of the screen, like in the frame for the first time as well. But I think that was that was about the the uh, the last bit of hope before we got really teased of of what the race was going to be. With That's the old, right. Uh, well, there's yeah. a couple of weird things that occurred during this race, um, and one of them is DRS, which didn't open. That was until insane. Lap thirty-five. Yeah. That was now, to ridiculous. put that in perspective. We're dealing with cars on intermediate tires on a very drying track. Uh, lap seventeen, Daniel pits for medium slicks, gets 
Uh, he's in the back of the pack, so he's literally the wood duck, which is fine. That's exactly what McLaren needed at that point. Um, he sets purple and green sectors in the first two sectors, so stacks on. Uh, I think four different teams, came, four different cars came in, including Ocon and Hamilton. Ocon was then released directly into the path of Hamilton. I mean, you had one job. How do you release Ocon literally into the side of Hamilton? So you got a five-second penalty. You can't be happy at Alpine about that, Connor. No, you can't. No, I think it was just idiotic. I think it was just idiotic, not only, but more so on the team's part. I, I mean, what was the concept of letting Ocon into the path of Hamilton? It was just clear as any time of day, an unsafe release. So, yeah, just bad luck on Ocon's part. But it was just idiotic of Alpine. They must have lost their lost their minds during the race after uh, Alonso basically had half his side pod go. So just not a good day for Alpine at all. And Harry, it's around this time where the conversation from Paul Arresta calling for DRS to be open turned to mm. Crofty calling for DRS to be open, calling it turned to, they even asked Christian Horner about it. There was a lot of conversations about the DRS at this point. And it's an interesting thing because we had a very clear DRS train going on near the back of the pack. Uh, Without the DRS. The pack, but we're talking, <laughs> um, we're talking, Mav, Sonoda was in it, Stroll, Albon, Sonoda Gasly. Was start, yeah. Um, Hamilton, they were all within a second of each other without DRS and there was no passing, obviously. But there was, let's be clear, close contact. contact. They were all staying close for multiple laps. There wasn't any of this staying close and then having to drop back 10 seconds to cool everything down from 2021 style. Um, But it was just such a fascinating thing. Why not open the DRS earlier? I I find that staggering. But the (laughs) the challenge was we're all saying this, the commentary saying this, and then they opened DRS and it did it nothing. It doesn't do much. Yeah, it did nothing. Yeah, it doesn't you, you much. Yeah. You had Lewis Hamilton essentially stuck behind Pierre Gasly the entire race after that point. And uh, he, what, you would have had 25 different attempts to try and yeah. take him and just couldn't get past. And even that was when after the DRS was re-enabled. So it's, it creates an interesting check because obviously there are a few teams that don't like DRS and, and the added yeah. complicality. Uh, com- complicality? Is that complications word? complications mm. yeah we'll use correct english um that it brings so yeah who knows if there's a future there if this is you know we've because we, we don't even get like a really good one-to-one test like that well okay so the, i think there's three cars worth looking at here which is alex albon in a williams holding off pierre gasly who had drs mm-hmm. who was holding off lewis hamilton who had drs now if gasly's got drs on a williams that doesn't and he can't get past, then it says something very interesting about the DRS effect at Imola. I don't know that that's a, an application elsewhere, but I just found it fascinating that Albon was able to hold off for so long and maintain 11th place um, while Gasly and Hamilton were able to do nothing. Mm. It was a very interesting kind of that, – that train was fascinating because Sonoda was holding everyone up. Lance Stroll was within – QE of him for most of the time. And then something happened where Lance Stroll was 10 seconds behind Sonoda and he was off in the distance. So I actually don't know what happened there, but Sonoda found some form and, and pushed forward. It was, yeah, it was fascinating. Um, Daniel went in and came, got hard ties, which is the stupidest thing he could possibly do because they well, did nothing and they, they went backwards. So they, so I was just reading about that before. And basically the, the thing is there is that they had the diffuser damage, which is what the damage mm. ended up being. Um, and from Bottas going up the back of him, basically, right? Yeah. And then it was essentially, you know, they weren't going, nothing was happening on mediums. So, we've, what have we got to lose? 
that, yeah. that was basically the logic. Yeah. Um, so Daniel's just playing games up the back, uh, doing test laps. But then the the, the gaps around the back, uh, the top four are interesting. So you've got um, you know, the, the two Red Bulls at the front, Max and Perez. And by the way, earlier in the race, uh, Leclerc struggling to pass uh, Perez, which 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 was fascinating. Perez really held him off. Um, but Leclerc had not a full pit stop on Lando, but near enough to it that he pitted on lap 50, lost third, but came out only 1.5 seconds behind Norris, so was able to pass him on softs, which allowed then the gap at the front to open up. Perez followed in, pitted, was able to make sure he uh, didn't essentially get undercut by uh, Leclerc, and Max followed as well. But, Connor, that's when all hell broke loose for the Tifosi, um, we were actually it was this is the only good thing that the the director lucked into for the whole race was he was <laughs> on board with Leclerc, not the helmet cam, but the the uh, top of the car cam. He was on board when Leclerc literally turned in too early and and took the top of the sausage curb and spun. Yeah, and and Leclerc was just driving very hard. He knew that he had um, the Red Bulls in his sights. He wanted to go into the like second position. He was trying to challenge for the lead event, essentially. That's what he was aiming for. And he just tried too hard. End of story. He just rode those sausage curbs at Variante Alpha and and spun himself out. He, he was lucky that he didn't do any more more damage than what he did to the front nose, but that was that was it. Um, yeah, it was a very lucky Leclerc, situation. Very lucky yeah, as because soon as, it could have been much heavier damage. Yeah, as soon as he did that, that was it. The Tafosi were not going to get themselves a winner or a podium finish. And it was, yeah, it was going, a good weekend that turned slide. bad. Yeah. Well, was I think that's what he was that trying. Was, that, that was what was just the dumbest thing about it was that he was, he was going for a fastest lap. He was completely safe in that third position and Ferrari got greedy for one point. Yeah. Do you feel like that was going for the fastest lap or was that just him coming out and wanting to, you know, get second from Perez? Cause he was, you yeah. know, within QE of him. At that point, when he spun, he just, was, was. Wasn't he ahead at that point? No, no, because he was in third. No, yeah. he was in third. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you. Either way, I think it was. It was an unnecessary risk for him. There was. There was. I mean, with bottom line, there was. I don't know what twelve, maybe ten. At least ten laps to go. There was no need for that level of no. urgency in in the turn in at that point. Um, he he pitted and put new tires and new nose on. And was still unable to get faster slap, even with new tyres. So that was kind of fascinating because Max got the lot, didn't he? Um, but the, I think the best part of the race for me was, well, I mean, Lando's podium's a great thing, I think. But Bottas and Russell, not because of last year, but just because it's Bottas in an Alfa Romeo and Russell in a Mercedes. Russell, many places ahead of his, his world championship teammate, um, world champion teammate, and and Bottas, who, you know, was formerly in the team. It was just great to see them battling mm-hmm. it out uh, in those last six laps. I really enjoyed that, Harry. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're probably going to get a whole Drive to Survive episode out of those last six laps. But, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was great. And it was just, I just really wanted to see that sort of last, last lap overtake there that thought we, you know, you might be able to get, but. Um. Yeah, I I'm enjoying Valtteri in Alpha. Like yes. you can just oh, he's looking you can great. Just tell, he's you looking can just great. tell that there's just when that mental weight of being in a front runner has come off. He's mm. just comfortable, and it's just well. Imagine the mental weight coming yeah. off, and then the realization that you're actually in a car that's fast. You know what yeah. I mean? Like imagine it, it's like the, the gods truth. are on his side. Imagine you had a you know 
a situation where Valtteri could only speak the truth and spoke it fluently and, and clearly. Um, how did you feel at the end of last year you'd be going in 2022? And how do you feel now? Because honestly, he would have been gutted. He would have been down in the doldrums, but happy to still be earning money and being a Formula One driver. Um, there's no way he would have thought he'd be racing for fifth, racing for fifth. Not The thing is, there's a lot of great Absolutely results. Not. You know, I often talk about Ocon's win, you know, great results, but you know, through circumstance in many ways. Valtteri Bottas, at best, was only the only uh, result that was given to him was, you know, Carlos and Daniel being um, not not being in front of him, but he well could have been fighting them for fourth, fifth, or sixth as well. So he 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 in, entitled to that position. That's what he is, and I think it's just such a great thing. And by the way, so is George. George Russell, mm, yeah, pulled a fourth place finish and you know, consistent laps and was unable to be passed, was able to hold off an Alfa Romeo, whereas Lewis Hamilton wasn't able to get past an Alfa Tauri. So interesting it's, dynamic it's in the opposite. engineering room. I, I I think you're definitely right, the George Russell bit, you know, how he's performing. I think it's a little bit harsh on Lewis, though, with the situation he was with. I think he's obviously, George was obviously going to end up at, you know, two or three places at minimum ahead. But I think Lewis's position is not completely represented. What do you think he... Maybe um, not. How is I it think... misrepresented? Because, you know, he he was behind an Alpha Tower and a Williams. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like... yeah. But we, I think... But it's, looking... it's interesting. Go... Well, I think it's... it's. I mean, the, the Williams part is, is hard to justify that. But at the same time... <laughs> But the thing that I think works on Lewis's favour is the fact that Pierre couldn't get past. And it's not like... We know that Gasly yeah, is a very good driver. Um, yeah. We know that that Red Bull engine this year is... Do you know is, what, Harry? Faster. That's a bloody good point. Maybe the, the thing that I'm missing is that actually it's not about Lewis failing to do something. It's about Pierre managing to prove himself and his racecraft in holding back Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. And he did a I good job of it he, too. He's been just so slept on for the last season and a half. Totally, Pierre. you've always been a Pierre man. Yeah, he. I just. He. I think he just punches above his weight. Totally, totally. I mean, look. In the end, uh, Max Verstappen from Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, George Russell, Valtteri Bottas, Charles Leclerc, Yuki Tsunoda, Sebastian Vettel, Kevin Magnussen, and Lance Stroll. The top ten. It was. Um, it was not the greatest representation of Formula One um, for 2022, but I. I actually think that Imola's not actually the best place to be racing Formula One as much as, you know, it's a sentimental place for Formula One. I'm just not sure it's a it's a modern racetrack in that sense. We can talk about that in a minute. But um, bottom line, it was it was a good result for a bunch of people we'll talk about individually shortly. If you haven't got KO Sports, grab KO Sports subscription. Um, sign up for a 14-day trial if you've never had it and enjoy. If you sign up now, you'll get the Miami Grand Prix um, and you can watch every session live with us, uh, practice, qualifying, Everything live and ad break free on uh, on KO Sports with the Sky Sports coverage. And boys, I have to actually talk about that first. Like, uh, I've been a bit opinionated on the socials about the Sky Sports coverage this weekend. It it wasn't their yeah. best. It was a B team situation. The only justification that I've had uh, in any reply was, do you think it had something to do with COVID um, and the COVID restrictions in in Italy? Where, by the way, it was a pretty pretty devastating disease over oh. the last couple of years. So it may yeah. well be they have st- uh, stricter rules, but maybe the entry requirements um, were, were stricter and tougher. But, you know, to not have well, – I'm not worried about Simon. Natalie does a great job hosting. I've got no drama with, with Naomi, by the way. Some bloke replied to me going, that's pretty sexist. I went, 
Mate, I'm talking oh. about where's Johnny, Martin, Damon, and friggin' what's what's going on? Who, I'm not talking about the <laughs> Who's the other bloke? My biggest problem was that guy. It felt like uh, I was watching like listening to some banker. Anthony he... Davidson. Was Anthony Davidson? I was this yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, Anthony so many Davidson. Where hmm. I'm like, you know, the pre show I'm often listening and not watching, and then I'm surprised when I see their faces. Yeah. Well look, the thing is, I, I think they're all great, but they all need the support of the experienced, like when Johnny Herbert with Naomi and Natalie would have been great, not mm. Anthony. Do you know what I mean? Like this is the challenging thing. And, and then Nico Rosberg dialing Freaking in on Skyping Zoom. in. Yeah. What the hell? That was like, awful. That, that was just embarrassing. That was, that was him not planning to do it, seeing all the shit happening to Lewis and just like sending the, the Sky guys a message going, yeah, I'm free. Just let me know. I, I mean, I'll dial in whenever. Dial in Damon Hill for Christ's sake. Do you know what I mean? It was just very, very weird and yeah. I, I just I, i'm i mean worked in the media long enough to know there's reasons for things but i hope it's just not a manager going let's try these people with contract negotiations for next year underway or something I, Do you know what i mean i, I, think I really hope it's nothing right. to do with that but this like, just if the race direction in general wasn't so awful like i think that you know it could have been a COVID thing or whatever but just that combined with it, it just feels like someone somewhere has said, no, nah, we're spending half the budget this week or like we got to try this or something. Yeah. Just even when you talk about the, you seem to like it though, how they went to Carlos in the garage when Charles was spinning. Like that was. Oh my God. That I was screaming at the TV oh, trying not to wake my family up. The, Charles Leclerc has spun. He's bounced off the wall and then he's turned like he's got it going for about a meter and a half. And then they cut to Carlos signs. In the garage. And I'm like, go back to the car. I want to see the car. What are you doing? It was that there was something weird with the whole coverage because you've got to remember that the picture selection isn't Sky Sports. That's Formula One management. It's, it was just. Yeah, that's true. Weird. That's true. Um, I think that's my theory. The, no, yeah, no, but I think maybe it all works together with, you know, who was allowed into Italy. Um, and also, look, as much as we would probably drop everything to go to every race and fly the world and all that kind of stuff, it probably would get grind on you. You know what I mean? Like Martin Brundle, um, it's 23 odd races every year now. He he was he signed up to do 16, 17, you know, so yeah, the, yeah. the sport has changed. So I'm okay with people having a week off here and there. Totally fine. But you've got to I mean, as a manager, you've got to structure it so that you've always got, a, 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 I guess, a quantity of the A team as well as the up-and-comers. Um, I love Ant's analysis. I think he's a brilliant race driver. So his analysis on the Skypad, for example, brilliant. But as a pundit sitting with Natalie and Naomi, it was just it was like just we, we, were lacking, we were lacking pure Formula One experience, even though Ant has... It's just we needed Johnny or Martin. It was it was just a bit disappointing. So just had to get that off my chest. Um team wise, um yeah, no, thank you very much. Very good. Um interesting one for McLaren because you have this great result for Lando, disappointing result for Daniel, but I don't think the team looks at that in any poor way because it was a racing incident. It is what it is. I think Hass, um, Harry, your point about Mick is is valid here because Hass had a pretty good result. Kev got ninth, which is probably Disappointing for them, but I think it's a good result because there's still points. Still two points. But they they would be still looking at that points, going, yeah. why, are, why are the cars... Like, I look at the lineup and I go, okay, Zhou Guan Yu and Valtteri Bottas, other two ends of the spectrum, mm. you know, up the top, down the bottom. Mick Schumacher and Kevin Magnussen, up top, down the bottom. Where, I mean, Lewis and George, up the top, down the bottom. There's this, These are the questions you've got to ask yourself as a team. Why is that happening when you've got others who, you know... I mean, even Lance and Seb, 
eighth and tenth. That's a great result for Aston Martin because it shows two drivers in a consistent package, Harry. Oh, and I think that's what that's the exact example I think that would piss Hass off is yeah. those guys are there. You know that you're you're faster than them. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know what's happened for for Kevin to get in ninth. I, I, yeah, I thought he may have, you know, maybe been where Sonoda ended up there. But yeah, if you're Hass, you got the two Aston Martins there. You're looking at at Mick in seventeenth, where he didn't have any issues. Like there was not, you know, Daniel's no. back there because of what happened at the start of the race, but nothing happened to Mick. Um, Latifi's kind of expected to be back there. And so Zhao on his first year. But yeah, Mick, Mick, no excuses to be where he was. Yeah. And I think Connor Yuki probably is the standout of the top 10 uh, because he outperformed his teammate really, really well with a seventh place finish. Um, other than, you know, obviously Lando and George are standouts. But I think Yuki, um, I think that's a great result for Yuki Sonoda in seventh. He's beginning more confident with the car too. And obviously learning the Alpha Tauri Ray has really helped his driving. He's just getting better and better in every race. And the fact that he's now challenging Gasly and actually doing better than Pierre, at the, particularly at Imola, uh, is a good sign that he's on the improve. And I think he, he might last at AlphaTauri for another season or two if they want to sign him on because mm. he's starting to become a very competent driver. So I think the seventh-place result is definitely justified for how well he's doing up against a much more experienced teammate and a, and a race winner in Gasly. Very good effort. I think the other one that's worth analysing here is Williams. Uh, Alex Albon in t- in 11th, which is, I think, outperforming the car. Nicholas Latifi in 16th, you would probably argue, is performing with the car, but that doesn't make sense if Albon's able to you know mm. get it up the grid. So Latifi has the, the air of disappointment about him still. Well, uh, you, you saw the I news, didn't you? I don't remember. Uh, oh, what news? I saw well, rumors of news. Oscar. The rumors, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say Ted's notebook talked but about uh, rumors I, in the paddock of Oscar jumping into Williams incident. next year. Yeah. There was a separate uh, uh, journo Spanish guy who also had it independently as well, which adds some credibility. Yeah. I I think it's I think when you look at now Ocon and Fernando most likely to stick around. Alpine have to be on the front foot looking for a place for Oscar. I think the challenge, they have to. I think the, the good thing is they're clearly taking, like Oscar was at Coda like three days ago. He was in America um, driving the, 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 the previous Formula One car around Coda um, for tests and demonstration and then came to Imola. I, I find it fascinating that they're putting so much into Oscar that they must be on the front foot looking for a drive for him next year because they really want that, you know, three to five year pipeline for the for the team. I don't look, you know, we don't rate Williams as a performance team, but you just want to see Oscar on the grid, right? And mm. I think that's a good thing, Harry. And I think oh definitely. And I think for for Williams, you've got to look at it from so the owners, right? So you've got uh Dalton there who's owning it. Usually when a company like that gets into something like this, it's it's to flip it. Um mm. and for them, it's more worth their time spending the money that they'll lose from Latifi to get a good driver to boost the value of the team to flip it in however many years. I agree years. with that. Then it Bottom is line, to, if yeah. you had Oscar in the car alongside exactly. Albon, would Oscar be in 10, 11, 12 with Albon? Like it's not about getting Oscar podiums. It's about I think so. Getting it's, cars it's about close increasing, together. increasing the perceived value of the team so they can flip it. Like it's, it's literally, yeah. it's, it's, it's a business to, and, and that's the what they're going to do. I mean, Connor, that's the good thing is, you know, Oscar has the ability to 
I mean, look, you know, Joe's obviously only in his first few races. Let's give the season a bit. But I talked earlier about how teams, teams that have got one car up the front and one car down the back, those are the mm. seats that Oscar needs to be eyeing off because he, with talent, should theoretically uh, be able to bring that seat forward on the grid to its teammate. That's what any team like a Williams or, or a Alfa Romeo or, a, you know, Haas would look at is going, we, we've got a car that can be up there. Both drivers aren't there. Oscar could be the answer to that, but then there'll be other challenges as well, won't there? There will be definitely other challenges. And I guess the biggest challenge is, can Oscar prove his worth on a grid of, with other 19 other drivers? I have mm-hmm. no doubt that he will. He, he has got the talent to be on the grid. We're still shaking our heads as to why he is not on the grid. But if he can get a Williams seat next year, if Alpine can put him in that seat, no doubt he will do good things in a in that car, which is not necessarily the most competitive at the moment. But Oscar's been able to do some tremendous things in the lower classes, and I think if he had that opportunity at Williams, he will do amazing things with that and prove his worth to the rest of the grid that he is worthy of being on the grid and could potentially maybe surprise with a few decent results, maybe even outstage Alex Albon. Now, I mean, going back to the the results here, um, Ted. Love the uh, the stat that Max has won every race he's finished this year, which is an important stat because of reliability concerns around the Red Bull powertrain and 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 more. This is a first um, race all for Red Bulls finished. Yeah, yes, there you go. Too. Well, there was I heard someone it might have been Natalie say um, Christian Horner was quoted saying he'd prefer to make a fast car reliable than make a reliable car fast, which I thought was an interesting kind of way of putting it admitting mm. that you may have um faults but knowing that you've already nailed the most important part which is the speed so well, yeah well think um, about what they, they learned the last couple of years where if you're fast enough the engine penalties with an unreliable engine need to replace one too many it doesn't matter no that's right so uh connor that brings us down to the most important part of this which is where do we sit now on the driver's world championship Drivers World Championship. Well, Charles Leclerc, he probably could have afforded uh, that mistake uh, after what happened uh, during the race because he had a fairly substantial lead going into uh, the fourth round at, at Imola, and he still leads quite considerably. So he leads 86 points ahead of Verstappen on 59, who got a huge bag of points as a result of winning the sprint and the main race itself and fastest lap. Sergio Perez, third on 54. He's only five behind Verstappen. So that's very tight at the moment. George Russell sits fourth on 49 points, ahead of Carlos Sainz now on 38. So Carlos has gone from being in the top three to now dropping to fifth position. Lando Norris has bolted himself up into six on 35. Lewis Hamilton drops to seventh on 28. Valtteri Bottas, 24. He's only four behind his old teammate. Esteban Ocon is ninth on 20 points. And Kevin Magnussen in the top 10 on 15 points. And Daniel Ricciardo just still outside the 10 on 11. And I think um, uh, much more fascinating perhaps is the constructor standing because uh, – you know, McLaren are, are stretching that gap, so the the top four are becoming a, a a group distant from the rest. But it's a long, long season ahead, Connor. Oh yeah, definitely. And we look at the constructors' championship, and Ferrari, their lead has diminished substantially as a result of uh, Red Bull getting you know a whole swag of points. It's now nine points the difference between actually no, sorry, eleven points the difference between Ferrari and Red Bull, one hundred and twenty four to 113. That's how tight mm. it is between the front two. Mercedes, 77 points. 
McLaren are 46 points. Alfa Romeo, 25. Alpine, 22. They're only three behind Alfa Romeo at this point. Then it's Alfa Tauri on 16. Haas on 15. Aston Martin get their first points on the board with five points. And Williams round out the 10 on one point. So every team, for the first time in quite some time now, has all got points for the Constructors' Championship. You wouldn't mind being Gunter, Harry. I mean, one point off Alpha Tauri in eighth, oh, uh, looking for seventh. Phenomenal for them. I think i, I got to give credit to Gene Haas as well. Like, mm. just sticking with... Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of flaws in Gene Haas and how he's operated, but just the fact that he stuck and obviously trusted and believed in what Gunter was doing last year um, and completely bombing that, to see where they are now, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of the better stories of the year. Mm, I think so too. Um, what's mm. next? Uh, I believe Miami's next, isn't it, Connor? So um, Miami is the next race. Yeah, how and exciting. it's a five thirty start. Less exciting. Mm, actually, right. five thirty is not too bad. Yeah, five thirty on that's Monday actually, morning is not too bad. That's actually a good one. So it's pretty much early morning. So um, the good news is uh, this is Saturday week, um, seven thirty in the morning on Saturday. We get a practice too, so we can just get up early for that. Uh, practice three is mm. at three a.m. Qualifying six a.m. on Mother's Day. And um, 5.30 a.m. on Monday the 9th for the Miami Grand Prix, the Crypto.com Miami Grand Prix. I just love the fact that Crypto.com is just You've got blowing. the Crypto.com arena in Los Angeles. So much money on sports sponsorship to, uh, yep, anyway, it's a whole other world. Um, boys, I'm looking forward to a 5.30 race. That's nice. We'll take it That's every good. day of the week. Thanks very much. Um, and I think that it'll be a fascinating one because it's a brand new track. Um it's it's a data gathering exercise from the get go on practice, so uh, will be well worth a watch, I reckon. Do you think it's going to look like I it's agree. in a car park? No, because camera angles are low, uh, and <laughs> it'll look like a racetrack. But when they take a helicopter shot, it'll shot it'll look like a car park <laughs> around a stadium. <laughs> All right, boys. Mm. See you in a couple of weeks. See you. Then. Yep. <laughs>